Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, how you doing there? This is Matthew McConaughey, and you are listening to The Court Case Podcast. All right, all right, all right. Hello, and welcome to The Court Case Podcast with me, your host, James Court. And Sweet Tea. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. We're going to be talking to Gavin, the male mental health coach, and he's going to be talking about his harrowing story, as well as male mental health and a ton of other things. It's a really interesting episode, and it's all coming right after this. So, hello, Gavin. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, James. How are yourself? We are great. Welcome to the Court Case Podcast. It is great to have you on. So, what what drew you to our podcast, first off? It was your locability, actually, to be fair. And... (laughs) And, and it was the court case, the court case name that mm. inspired me to contact you. I think it was, it was a, it was a okay. good little name. Yeah, to no. relate to uh, yeah. whatever I do. Oh, so. that's great. Yeah, we've had a few guests on that have sort of fit the court case name quite yeah. well. Like uh, we've had Jeffrey Deskovic, who was wrongfully convicted. Wasn't yes, he? that um, was cool. Uh, sent to prison for sixteen years for a crime he didn't commit. They fit the name very well, but which was really interesting. But you yourself, you've got a very harrowing story. I watched like the video that you sent me and heard your story, and I would love for you to tell it for us and give us a bit about yourself. Great stuff. Mm. Well, my my story started with my mum and my mum's trauma in 1953 over in Ireland she was handed in as what they call a foundling yeah. uh, so she didn't know her biological parents she was handed into a church in Galway and then moved up to a children mother and baby's children's home in a place called Chewham in the right. north end of Galway and they obviously bring children up so my mum was brought up in a convent system over in Ireland and she was shipped from pillar to post if you like and moved from this convent to that convent to this convent and I don't know if you know any of the stories of the convents in Ireland they weren't the nicest of places to be growing up in they were generally run like prisons most of the children most of the mothers were had a number as opposed to a name so she, she had a pretty tough grinding with that and then about when she was about five or six she was put on an airplane and the thought was she was going to america because a lot of the children from ireland at the time were either sent to america or sent to australia okay so that was the way it kind of worked you know so she then was taken off the plane for some bizarre strange reason and 
was put in the car and they gave her a bag of sweets and said, oh, you know, we're, we're taking you to your new mammy. So they then shipped her across to the other side of Ireland, a little place called Wexford, which is just underneath Dublin there. Right. And she was put with a foster family and supposedly supposed to be adopted by the foster family. Okay. Of course, this never happened because the foster family never provided any paperwork to say that they were legally married. Right. So, so this is kind of where it all went to shite from there on in, to be fair. Right. They, they basically treated her like a slave on the farm. Oh, she nice. was, she would be raped on a weekly basis by the foster father and she would be beaten by the foster mother if she ever voiced her opinion. Wow, and this Jesus. was on a weekly basis, you know. Bless her. Yeah, yeah. it was a pretty tough grind, you know. And then what happened was when anyone local or anyone started sort of prying into their what they were doing and why this daughter was there and, you know, things like that, they moved. And they did this four times. Wow. And they, anyone, anytime anyone started any asking any questions or thinking, like, this is a bit weird why this girl's getting treated like this, you know, yeah. they'd move. And they 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 hit a brick wall when they moved to the last place because they couldn't sell it and they got stuck there. Okay. And this place is literally, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Ireland or anyone's been to Ireland, but this is like rural islands. I mean, you know, there's rolling mountains up in the background, stone walls everywhere. The house is a little tiny cottages with one door and one window, you know. And as you walk in the house, it's very old and decrepit and there's a there was a little staircase to go up the thing and everything sort of revolves around the kitchen you know like and it's all stone floors and such of the like big braid of wheel fires open fires and everything happened around the fire you know that's where you've done your washing your cooking your cleaning and everything right yeah. i see yeah so she was in there with them and they then they had the priest come and visit mum one time and the foster mother put her in a trunk in the in the front kitchen and made her sit in the trunk and said to her if you open your mouth when the priest is here i will kill you Whoa. that's her exact words of what she said to her so you can imagine like my mum's nine years old ten years old at the time you know imagine saying that to a child you know you'd be petrified you, you know it's it's just Im immense trauma an immense bullying you know yeah. and and abuse like huge abuse you know yeah Christ. so the, the, the priest has come in and my mum's in the trunk while the foster mother's sitting on the trunk while the priest was there asking her how mary is you know because the priest used to go around like a social worker would in in an environment in this day and just yeah. it's like a checkup courtesy call thing you know mm. and yeah she was sat in the trunk while the while she was sat on top of it my mum was hiding in the trunk and the priest said to the foster mother you know where's mary yeah uh, so she's in a way after all now they're playing with the children and are like you know she's grand she's she's having a time of their life yeah. while she's in the trunk with the priest talking to her jesus you know? christ Fuck. and then any time you know, my mum would voice her because she's quite happy enough to open her voice her opinion. You know, she's quite yeah. bullshit like that, my mother. She'd get beaten. I mean, she was put out in the dogs to sleep with the dogs out in the pen and all sorts of stuff. It was horrific, like what they did to her. Ridiculous. And there was one stage there where the foster father beat her so badly, she sustained a boil on her leg and bruises all the way up her leg. Right? Oh. So the foster mother reaction to that or her meta, uh, her method for fixing that boil 
she couldn't obviously take her to the doctors or the hospital because they'd start asking questions as to why mum's got these bruises all over her body. You know? Yeah. So she got a hot poker out of the fire and decided to pulse that into my mum's boil to burn it off of her leg. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And she'd done all the work on my mum mm. on her leg at home. So my mum was walking around with this boil on her leg. She couldn't sit down. You know, there was many a time where mum was in that much pain from the beatings that she gets. She couldn't sit down. She couldn't ride the bike. Nothing. You know, they used to make her walk to school and the school was 10 miles away from the house. So she'd walk to school. She used to do a 20 mile round trip walking every day just to go to school. That's ridiculous. That's yeah, so, pretty so, crazy. Yeah. That is so so awful. That is horrible to hear. How did how did your mum get out of this? Yeah, she there was a there was an incident in the local village where someone tried to grab my mum off the bike. Right, and to this day we still don't know who that person was. It could have been uh, you know a local person that realised that there was a lot of abuse going on and they weren't treating her the way they should have treated her. Or it could have been her own biological mother, but we still don't know to this day who it could have been. Right. Oh. So, so story goes that my mum was someone tried to grab my mum off the bike on this particular occasion in the village. Hmm. So they've gone. They were going up to the church. This was a weekly thing. You go to the church on a Sunday, you know. And then she used to go into the village and buy all her sundries or whatever she needed. Hmm. So they've turned up at the church, and my mum. The priest has looked at my mum and thought, oh, she looks a bit, like, flustered. So the priest has asked her if she's okay. And mum's voiced her opinion and said, someone's just tried to grab me off the back of the bike. Mm. So the foster mother backhanded her in the middle of the church and knocked her clean out in the church <laughs> on a Sunday Jesus. in front of everyone. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So then, obviously, the authorities and the priests and stuff thought that that's not right you know yeah. so yeah. we're taking her right we're taking her back and then she was she was then moved into what they call an industrial school there was a lot of industrial schools in ireland they were pretty much run like prisons as the mother and baby homes were right. you know in all the institutions around Ireland. Okay. and um there was a place called uh, st joseph's in kilkenny and it was an industrial school ironically they took my mum away from this abusive couple and in the summer they'd send her back there for her summer stays away when the school was closed that doesn't make why sense. would you do that doesn't make any what? sense it doesn't all. make no sense no, <laughs> no it doesn't you know it's just odd yeah. it's just odd you know and and i mean even i've met the foster I, i've been there I, i've met the foster mother i've been to that cottage i've seen it firsthand myself mm. you know and i've met and she you know I'm talking real old school, proper like farmer lady, you know, with the wellies and the pinny and no teeth and you yeah. know, yellow hair where she used to smoke a thousand fags a day, sort of thing, you know. Mm. And uh, it was just, it's just insane how my mum would take me there as as a, as a child because that was the closest thing to a mother she ever had. You know, yeah. she didn't know nothing else. That's so sad. You know? Yeah, so I mean, the, the the abuse she sustained and the trauma she sustained from that couple is just, you know, I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of milling over at the moment. I mean, it's I could go great in depth of it, but yeah. you know, it's it, there's there's so many avenues to the story. It's it's going to be in a book in the near coming future, um, but you know, we've got a lot of 
hurdles to cross before we get to that stage but yeah yeah so it was it was pretty tough i mean she didn't leave them until she um was about 15 i think 16 when she left the institution or the um industrial school she was 16 when she left there the she then went into work in a cafe locally in kilkenny right and the couple provided her with accommodation and you know living expenses etc etc and would you believe that the guy that owned that place raped her (gasps) so she was so used to kind of that environment it was it kind of became the norm to her you know she's just sort of oh well it is what it is and Mm. this is always going to be like it so after that she then realized that she shouldn't be staying there and she moved to dublin with a friend of hers okay i think she stayed in dublin for a few years and then she came over to london and she didn't really like london it was too big city-ish you know she'd grown up in the country so yeah. you know growing up in the country out in the middle of nowhere and then moving to london is a bit of a shocker you know? yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah so she yeah and then she and then she didn't like london so she moved down to bogner right. and uh, and then obviously i think you know 10 10 years later she had me you know with my, with my dad or five years i think five years she'd been here and then she had me with my dad yeah. um and then to put a huge spanner in the work, my dad disappeared when I was about eight, eight months old, 10 months old, something like that. Dad. So my mum had to then bring me up on her own, you know, oh which God. is quite tough because she's one dealing with all her own amuse, uh, like all her own trauma and all her own emotional battles. Yeah. And then having to raise a child on her own as well. You know, so you can imagine pretty tough to, yeah, to, terrible. to do. Bless her. And she, She's a tough old cookie. Yeah, I, I, tell I can you, imagine. Um, she's got she's, she's, Yeah, she's three foot tall, but I tell you, she's got some <laughs> fire in her. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I've seen big grown men run away from her. <laughs> you, I, um, um, I'm I'm interested. How how old were you when you last saw this foster mum? Yeah. Uh, poor. Good question. I'd say about 21, 20, 21, something around that time. Something around that time. Okay, so quite an adult then. Yeah. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How how what feelings were going through your mind when you see this woman that had done this thing, these things to your mum? You're a spiteful, horrible little lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a polite in, way in, of putting in it. Kind words, <laughs> in kind words. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I did want to sort of grill her, you know, as yeah, to what you know what, but you can imagine this is like rural island i mean i've grown up with the irish accent all my life so i understand most things but this lady's got no teeth you know and she spoke extremely extremely deep irish accent so i couldn't understand the words she was saying anyway yeah and obviously my mum didn't want me to say anything you know Mm. she was like just just leave it you know it's not worth the asshole um so you know and then she passed there i think about 10 years ago maybe about 10 years ago i'd say Okay. And we went into we went into the foster home where she she was staying, mm. and uh, not the foster home, sorry, the nursing home where she was staying. Yeah. And we went and seen her. Bearing in mind, they said she had a lot of dementia and she couldn't speak. She'd lost the power of speech. Right. When I walked into that nursing home, and she saw my face, mm. there was a shock, horror look on her face. And she knew exactly who I was. Yeah. There was no dementia kicking in there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so it, it it was tough. It was really tough to stomach. Really tough to stomach. Did she? Did she never face any consequences for these actions? Then no, no sign of remorse at all. No, none. Jesus, that is shocking. What about the father? Well, the stepfather. Well, ironically, he was run over by a horse and cart, so fate would have it, oh, and yeah. karma would come back to kick him in the ass. Right. Uh, and the cart, the cart, he was drunk coming back from the pub. He fell off the cart. The cartwheel went over his head, hmm. straight across his neck. Goodbye. Wow. <gasps> oh, so, that is painful, yeah. but he deserves it. Yeah, that's what you get, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how does that? drive what you do now so what do you do now tell us a bit about that okay so now i i coach men to overcome abuse and trauma that they've dealt with growing up as a child amazing i do that because i've had 30 years of experience yeah. dealing yeah. with that yeah and it was only up until last year that i realized i had a breakdown last year mm. and i it hit me hard it hit me really hard yeah and i what i'd been doing is what Tony Robbins likes to call it is emotional stacking for yeah. 35 years. Yeah. My wife hadn't seen me cry. My, my, me and my wife have been together 14 years. She hadn't yeah. seen me cry once. Whoa. Not many people had, to be fair. Mm. And when I started crying, and because it, it, what happened was, is obviously we was in lockdown, you know, and yeah. I've been I've been self-employed all my life, so I've I've always been busy. I've never had time to sit down and think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, because yeah, I've yeah. always had something to do. And I mean, I put my mum to bed for 30 years crying for her mother, you know, so I'd embraced a lot of my mum's trauma, you know, and then when I was growing up, I'd have a lot of babysitters because obviously mum was on her own and whatever. Yeah. So I was abused by two of these babysitters as I was growing up. Okay. So I buried that as a kid because my mum had been through so much abuse and trauma herself. The last thing she wants to hear is her own son telling her about, stuff that he'd been through absolutely you know? yeah yeah i get that yeah. yeah so and obviously i wanted to comfort my mum you know and i sort of had to play adult if you like for, for my mum in such a way because there was no one else there to do it for her so i had to be strong and bold for my mum and consolidate my mum when she was crying for her own mum you know so i couldn't really blurt out to her oh you never guess what my mom was sexually abused by two of the different babysitters on two different occasions male and female yeah and then what i found was is as i grew up you kind of ten what i found it it was like you you put you put on a mask you know you put on a brave face and you become overexerted in your personality because you don't want no one to ask you that question so you avoid that at all costs. Absolutely, yeah. And I get that. you you perceive to be someone else, you know, because you don't want no one asking you that mm. question, you yeah. know. So I buried all this, like I say, for thirty five years, and where I'd had that time of sitting at home and not doing anything, because I've got a full time job now, I was getting paid. So it was like, you know, I've got nothing to do, and I've never in my whole life ever sat down and done nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I've got lens in my pants and flat out all the time. <laughs> yeah. so, sitting down for that three weeks, all my thoughts started coming back to haunt me, mm. and it was like I'd been hit by a steam train at three thousand miles an hour. Yeah, my gosh. And my world just sunk around me, mm. and I was in this 
glazed fog for months yeah. and months. And now I've got my own children. So you don't reflect on your own childhood until you have your own children, mm. you know, and then when you have your own children, it makes you reflect on what it was like with, for you growing up, you know? Yeah. And like I say, all these thoughts and all these feelings and all this emotion came back and kicked me in the ass like a peach. Yeah. It was intense, insanely intense. There's, <laughs> there's no other way I could really put that. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was intense. And I was I didn't know where to look, I didn't know where to go, didn't know who to speak to. I you know, I didn't know whether to laugh, fart, or cry. You know, it was that it was that. So and then once I started crying, it was like endless, James. It was like every every hour, it's just yeah. boom, 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 Because I'd spent so long, I'd spent the best part of 30 years not crying. Yeah, you know? that's horrible. Yeah, I so, get you. Yeah, it was like open the floodgates. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You know, it, it was tough. So my, my, my drive now is, you know, I'm doing, the, I'm doing a lot of podcast speaking and, and stage presence because if my story can inspire at least one guy to not go and take his own life, yeah. I've succeeded in my mission, Definitely, you know, yeah. because the, the rate of male suicide is, is shocking. Yes. I mean, it's one an hour just in the UK, you know, it's, it's absolutely shocking. Yeah. I would so I'm, I'm sharing my story to inspire other men. To, it's okay. It's okay to mm. share your story. You've got to let them emotions out. You've got to, release them feelings mm. because if you're carrying them feelings it's causing you so much health problems it's yeah. untrue yeah you know I, I like to look at it it's like if you've got a rucksack on your back and the rucksack's full of stones and every stone is an emotion and the bigger the emotion the bigger the stone mm -hmm. yeah. and you can imagine carrying a rucksack on your back full of stones mm. it's heavy very yeah. heavy mm. And then the more you add to that, if you don't release them emotions and release them of feelings, you're just adding stones to that backpack all the time. Yeah. And then you get heavier true. and heavier and heavier, you know. And I mean, you may have seen it. You can, I mean, you can see it a mile away from guy like muscle dispensation. So you'll have a shoulder dip on one side, or your hips will be a bit crooked, and they may walk a bit funny, and that's from the back problems and the neck pain from the emotions i believe in that 100 right a lot of your muscular pains that you have can be connected to an emotion that you've never dealt with or feelings that you've never dealt with or right. trauma that yeah. you've never released that's crazy you know? i didn't know that yeah yeah crazy. it's it's actually a thing wow. i didn't know that either yeah. until recently <laughs> i started studying that yeah. that's so um, interesting yeah it's actually a thing and more so your guts more so your yes, guts i mean yeah. if you have gut problems or anything like that that generally is connected to an emotion or a feeling that you've not dealt with or not processed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can mm. have times where your mental health makes you not want to eat. Yeah. want to eat too much. It can affect Constantly everything. shitting. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's yeah. becoming more apparent than ever how connected your mental health is to the rest of your being mm. and your health in general. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, this is the thing. Like, you know, three or four years ago, you never heard men's mental health. No, you no. just didn't. Like it was like it didn't exist, but it's always been there. It's been there for centuries, but yeah. it's never been spoken about. You know, and I think this pandemic has opened a window for men like myself to be able to open it up 
and release it, you know, and share share their message. It's now a thing. People understand it now. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, it, I mean, I grew up in the construction industry and you didn't open your mouth and say anything about how you're feeling. You <laughs> would get ridiculed. Yeah. Or, you know, you just would, you know. So you just, you and, and it's, it's the thing, you know, when you go down the pub with your mates, you, you know, you go down the pub, you talk about football or you talk about work or you talk about, you know, the next big thing or whatever, you know, you talk about women or, you know, alcohol, whatever. You don't turn up in the pub with your mates and go, oh, guess what? I was sexually abused when I was a kid and this, that and the other, you know? Yeah. You don't talk about stuff like that with your mates, you no. know? It's just not the done thing, you know? Yeah. But I think now it's becoming a bit more like mainstream it's becoming a bit more socially acceptable open yeah it's more socially acceptable well yeah. done that's the word <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but it is it's becoming more socially acceptable for people and men to actually talk about their feelings and their emotions hmm. because i know myself if you're carrying that burden it can make you physically ill yeah, yeah physically ill not just mentally ill physically ill yeah. you know because i you know growing up as a kid i i received you know sexual abuse physical abuse mental abuse you you name it emotional abuse you know it was it was a struggle it took me like i say it took me 35 years to realize that it, it actually affected me mm. yeah when you think about it, it's such a ridiculously long amount of time that is so long to come yeah. to that realization mm. it's, it mm. sucks it does are you happier for it now or oh massively yeah massively yeah. honestly it feels like I've been turned upside down and spun around a few times and then oh, stood back great. up on end again. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, now I've got a vision. Like, oh, yeah, I can see the road now. You know, it's it's it's, it's like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I've made it to the end of the tunnel. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, and, and like I say, my, my drive is, is, you know, the rate of men taking their own life is just insane. And if, like I say, if I can give my story and it inspires at least one man to not, want to do that mm -hmm. yeah. then i've succeeded you know Definitely. i don't need big i don't need big fancy cars and big fancy houses and yeah you know i don't need to be rich to be successful no mm. uh, you know i'm happy to be successful in helping other men overcome their abuse and trauma yeah you know? i wanted to i got some facts up in in preparation i wanted to talk to Dude. you you mentioned already about like male suicide rate and i got some numbers mm. here it, like in 2014, 4,623 men took their own life, which is 12 every day and which is mm. one man every two hours. And in our, our age group, so 18 to 45, um, 76% mm. or something like it's like 70% of deaths are like suicide. It's the main cause of death among people our age, which one mm. I just think is ridiculous that people are raised the main way that we're dying is from ourselves. But yeah. I just wanted to like ask you, why do you think that is? Why do you think so many men like mm. that's how it's ending for them? <laughs> Media poisoning. Yeah. Is what I like to call it. Mm. Media poisoning. Yeah. Because you being a man, you have to be the guy that is bold and strong. Yeah. I'm the man that can look after my family. You know, I'm the man that has to provide. You have to provide. You have to be tough. You know, this tough guy macho image thing that's being, you know, portrayed over the media. Yeah. You know, and that's why I call it media poisoning because it, <laughs> it is just that. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. And 
that's why I like the podcast world because it's very niche and specific. You know, yeah. you can you can talk about these things. You wouldn't hear this stuff mentioned on BBC Radio One. You know, <laughs> <that's just amazing. laughs> you know, and you know when you look at like the news and stuff. I mean, I don't watch the news. I don't read the paper because I just believe it is just it's poison. You know, yeah. And it, some people get milled up on that. You know, and they spend so much time thinking about all the stuff that's going on in the news, they actually forget to live their life. Yeah. Because they're worried about, oh, you know, I can't go out of the house because I might get this and I can't go there because this might happen. And, mm. you know, they're, they're, it's the fierce factor, you know, that they're, they're fear mongering people into believing that you, you, you basically can't leave the house unless or you'll die. You know, it's, yeah. it's like that, isn't it? You know, mm. and I think especially more so over the last sort of, 18 months or whatever it's been they they've all been talking about oh this covid thing and vaccine thing and now it's the war in afghanistan and all this sort of stuff but they never talk about the male suicide rate ever no you never hear you know they might mill over it for about 30 seconds oh yeah never saw but um but the the sun's out tomorrow so we'll all go and get our um uh, sun hats on (laughs) on the bit it's it's like avoid it you know yeah and Oh, I that's like I say, that's my drive. That's why I want to change it. That's why I want to make this a big thing and to stop that from happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah it needs important. to change. Mm, definitely. Because uh, I mean, I often 100%. find when there is issues to do with things like mental health and stuff, I do find at the moment a lot of the time it is geared to women and, and stuff yes. like yes, that. Yeah. And I do feel like it needs to be balanced out a bit. Mm. Do you. Do you consider yourself like a feminist or do you think feminism helps this at all? Um, uh, yeah, I do think feminism helps this because, you know, you've got you, you, there is men out there that do feel more comfortable talking to, to women yeah. and, and women are obviously a lot more emotionally connected than men are. You Absolutely. know, so the women will listen to you hmm. before a man will all day long, you know, yeah. and they are. That they'll understand your meaning more, mm. you know. Whereas a man would turn around and go, "Oh, shut up! You'll be fine, mate. Just get on with it. Don't fucking worry about it." That's the last thing you want to hear yeah. when you're depressed. Yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know. Ah, uh, keep your chin up, mate. You'll be fine. Yeah. Have a whiskey. Carry on. You know. That's not what you need to hear. No. You know. You you want someone to sit down and go, "Come on, mate. Tell tell me about it," and actually really listen. Like really, really listen. Yeah. Not just like, oh yeah, all right, mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and like, I think I think the worst thing is is advice. You know, like, because you're giving them your advice on your opinion of what yeah. you think, yeah. not what they want to know. Yeah, you know? that is true. So, I think I think it's important to ask the right questions and and just ask your mate how he's feeling. If you've not seen him for a couple of weeks, ring him. And ask him why you haven't seen him for a couple of weeks. What's up, mate? You know, Definitely. what's up? Mm. You know, mm. and I think that should be the major thing that most men turn around to each other and say now, like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, let, do you want to sit down and talk about anything? And nine times out of 10, you go, no, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm sound. When really they're not. So you, you kind of have to like. Force it out. Prize it out of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. tell me. Tell me what's wrong with you, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But it's it's just like, it's because it's not the done thing. But like I say, now it's so big and widespread in the media. People are starting to take it. Uh, um, what was that you said earlier? Socially acceptable. Oh, Socially oh acceptable. right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so it's it's becoming more socially acceptable which is which i think is amazing you know i really really do and yeah. I, and it's it's really really important and and you know no disrespect to the nhs or any of the people that work in the nhs but their whole system of dealing with it doesn't work yeah. it doesn't work you know i mean when you ring them and say i've got a mental health issue oh well let's make your appointment we'll speak to you in three weeks yeah jesus christ that guy stood at the top of the building now. He ain't got three weeks to wait. Yeah. He wants to jump off the building now. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's ringing you and asking if you've had, have you had any suicidal thoughts? And of course they say no. Yeah. You know, because they're too proud to say, oh, yeah, I've been having loads of suicide thoughts. Like, you know. Yeah. So, you know, and then we'll ring you back in three weeks. Three weeks is too late. Yeah. It needs to be done now, you yeah. know. And then the other thing as well, like, they will. Oh, have you taken any medication? Take the medication. Take the medication. Here's the drugs. Here's the drugs. Here's the drugs. The drugs don't work. Mm. The drugs don't work. Yeah. You know, they've proved it. You can see these people have been taking them 10, 20 years and they're still depressed. You know, they're probably more depressed on the pills than what they was before they started. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. But they will constantly keep trying to push their pills on you. Yeah. Constantly. Because yeah. they're a business. They're a business. That's how they make their money. You know, they're trying to make money. Yeah, that's what they're there for. Yeah. You know, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong; they're amazing. When your arm or your legs falling off, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. But but when it comes to mental health, mm. they have to really understand and listen to what that guy wants. Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Is there a small change a man could make to their everyday life that could help their mental health even just a little bit? Oh, good question. Just yeah, like... very good question. Concentrate on your thoughts. Right. Consciously mm. know what your thoughts are doing. Yeah. Consciously. Okay. Because if you know where your thoughts are going, yeah. you know where your head's going. And and a journal, a journal is very important. Yeah. Now, when they said that to me, I went, fuck off. Journal. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't writing down shit. <laughs> but... It's really, really powerful. It's really important just to write your thoughts down. And more so first thing in the morning. That's really important. Like, first thing in the morning, get up. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Because as soon as you pick your phone up, the first thing you do is go on Facebook. Mm. And then you're embracing everyone else's troubles yep. before you've even started your day. You know? Yeah. And you're like... Even if you're not doing it consciously, subconsciously, your mind's going, oh, that person did this and that person did this, you know. Mm. And then it's like you see all these posts on there. This guy's got this nice fryer and he's like, oh, look at me on the beach with my pina colada and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. You know? And in reality, that's a green screen and that's not a pina colada at all. It's a bottle of red wine. or You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. it's there's a lot of false pretenses on Facebook when and in reality, you know, they're struggling you know and i just I, I do think that's that's um really important to, to to not get subjected into scrolling insta yeah. or facebook because you're burying your head in other people's shit Definitely. and you don't need to be doing that you need to be dealing with your own shit first you know before worrying about everyone else's that's yeah so, that's so Journaling was really, really good. Journaling was really good. And then walking, just getting up in the morning early and go for a little walk mm. before you do anything, before you talk to anyone, before you look at your phone, anything. 
just break from reality and go for a walk and listen to your own thoughts yeah. and know what your own thoughts are doing. Because really, if you're living in your head, if you're in your head, that's that's the biggest, biggest pain you can have if you're living in your head because you're milling over the same shit over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, and, and then you're beating yourself up. The, the only person that's destroying you is you because you're beating your own head. Yeah. Like, and then you start getting paranoid and you think, oh, he's looking at me funny or they've said this and they're talking about me and like that, that bloke's looking at me for, you know, and you, you, you imagine all these things in your own head and you can paint these great pictures. The mind is so powerful that you can, you can imagine so much stuff in your own head. You know, you could end up just kicking the shit out of yourself just by yeah. putting all these thoughts in your head. Yeah. You know, but, but the, for me, the walking and the journaling was what, I mean, and countless, uh, countless counseling sessions and therapy <laughs> sessions and, you know, such of the like. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great. No, that's great advice. Do you have any like recent success stories with your coaching that you could share? Yeah. Uh, I do, but I'm very, very, uh, I'm very, very, um, conf oh, customer confidentiality. Right. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I, I don't like to, I, I don't ever mention any of my clients at all of about course. to anything or about anyone, nothing. I just yeah. don't because I know, I know what it's like, you know, and I've been there. Yeah. Um, but I will say with what I've been doing, the feedback I've been getting off a lot of people has been absolutely amazing. I mean, people are like, for what you're doing and sharing your story, that can help men just on its own, just by you sharing a story, you know, yeah. that can change their life. It can, mm. you know, and hopefully it does. That's that's my aim. You yeah. know? That's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing, what I'm doing. You know? yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really good. Really, really good. good. That is good. good. How yeah. is your mum now? She's very well. That's She's nice. very well. That's She's good. still... She's still trooping along, you know. She's uh, three foot tall, but a, a twenty foot heart, you know. That, no. you know. Yeah, good. She's just diamonds. I love her to pieces. You know, so, for what she's been through to still stand tall, yeah, and and carry on. Because even in mum's environment, you know, a lot of the girls that she went into the convents with, or or grew up in the convents with, they didn't make it. You know, they mm. took their own life, and you can understand why. You know, yeah. because of the stuff they went through, they just couldn't handle it. They just couldn't. You know, and some of them went to have their own children taken away from them as well. You know, so they were taken away from their parents, and then they went and had their own children, and their own children were taken away from them. You know, Mad. so I mean, I, I've been listening to stories from a lot of these guys that were in the convents over the years, and and honestly, they're just intense. You know, I've been listening to these stories since I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, some of them are shocking. Absolutely shocking. It just makes you wonder how there's, how people can be that evil to people. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know? I don't yeah. get it. There's there's a lot of that been going around. I mean, it was obviously it was recently the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yeah. And I, I often, mm. at this time of year, I often think that I see things like that and like the story you've shared and stuff. And it I makes just, you so like grateful and appreciative, it, doesn't it? It does make you grateful and appreciative. But yeah, I do constantly mm. think like, how can people do oh, such things that, yeah. to other people? Mm. Mm. I'm glad you said grateful, actually, because I'll add that when you said about 
what's helped you overcome it and what message have you got mm. for other guys as well mm. and i said about the journaling and the walking that would that would be my mate that would be my key three point you know is 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 be grateful for everything you have yeah the way i look at it like, is if you get up in the morning you're breathing and you're walking what else do you need yeah you know like be grateful that you're breathing and walking you're you know alive, yeah. and you've got a roof over your head and food on the table if you've got a roof over your head food on the table you're breathing and you're walking you're the richest man in the world you don't need anything else very true you know? yeah be grateful for that but you know you've got everything yeah. you know definitely i love that because there's a lot of people in this world that don't have that yeah. you know yeah yeah that is a great message to come towards the end of the podcast yes. with yeah to yeah. it's been great having you on how can people find you if they want to use your services anywhere google facebook mm. youtube instagram yeah. linkedin yeah you name it all of them yeah gav m the identity coach okay cool got it gav yeah. m the identity coach Perfect. yeah yeah awesome so yeah, google me like literally anywhere i'm on all, all the platforms you name it i'm on there perfect thank you mm. so much for coming on the podcast today it's been really interesting hearing really your story. interesting yeah mm. it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure great yeah it's really nice good yeah, and great I, I hope you continue to have so much success yeah, with your business because it really is a great cause yeah well next year i'm hitting the stages without oh, fail wow. I've not, I've not, well out of all do you know out of all the years that i've been growing up mm. i've noticed that i have two major skills one is talking <laughs> <laughs> you might not notice that <laughs> um and the, but the other one is networking and and building relationships with people you know they're the one two things that i've gained from my ancestral heritage you know they're, they're, i was born to be a natural speaker you know and i was born to network with people and communicate with people i mean i can have conversations with people who can't even speak english you know yeah. so, <laughs> i think that those two are the, the best skills to have surely definitely yeah 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 um so yeah i'm hitting the stages next year that's right. going to be my big mission my big goal for next year that's so. exciting yeah i hope that goes the message yeah. Yeah. yeah good luck with that yeah thank you very much well, thank you very much thank you so much again pleasure it's been amazing I loved that guy. What, what an amazing guy. Such, he's lovely. Yeah, such a positive and great person, even though he's been through yeah. so much. That was so empowering. That was. And yeah. Just, this is what I love about Court Case. We go through the previous episode where we're just talking about sex for an hour. Yep. <laughs> and we've got this episode where we've got such an... A more serious, raw topic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know... I if, was just enjoying listening. Like, we didn't speak that much. Like, he would just yeah. take the reins. And that was so enjoyable. Definitely. And, I mean, if anyone needs to use his services, I would please yeah. think about doing it. And it's Gav M, the identity coach, as he said earlier. And he's on most of the social medias. So please consider doing that. And uh, we will be back next week with some court case goodness. Follow us on our social medias at Court Case Podcast. And we will see you all very, very soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.